Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, welcome to this week's Cyber Church broadcast. I'm Jim Richards, and today we're going to be talking more about this freedom from emotional debt. And today we're going to be talking about spiritual healing for post-traumatic stress disorder. And I know you got to be saying, whoa, I don't have post-traumatic stress. I haven't even been in the military, man. I don't know what you're talking about, but I want you to realize all trauma, no matter how big or small that occurred in your past, that is subconsciously affecting your capacity for a full life today is some level of PTSD. So it doesn't matter if you're just having trouble speaking to a group because of something that happened to you in school. It doesn't matter how small it is or if you're having full-blown PTSD attacks out in public because of military events. You can get past it, and I'm going to show you how. Come on back in just a few minutes. Be sure and go to our website and download your free message for this month, The Devastating Power of Pain. I want to show you what's working against you in your life, and I want to help you get past it. You know, when a person has full-blown uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, like a person who has come back from a military service and they've seen horrible things and experienced horrible things, or, or someone who has seen family members murdered, or those kinds of things. You know, even though all of that is buried in your subconscious, when that comes out, when that person explodes into suddenly some type of violent or irrational behavior, it's easy to spot, okay, I might not have been able to identify that this was buried in me somewhere, but when this comes out, this is easy for me to realize how irrational it is, and so it's something that I need to deal with. But in most of our PTSD issues, which are we experience in a much less dramatic way, we are able to rationalize them and we never come to terms with what's really happening. Now, if you've heard me teach much about the heart, you know, in dealing with the heart, you learn the difference between, we differentiate feelings from emotions. And I'm not saying this is a perfect definition. I'm just saying we have to use, get some kind of terms for clarity. Emotions come on very, very quickly. Emotions change or spike because of where we're placing our attention. And so with emotions, they happen so quickly and so dramatically, it's usually pretty easy to say, hey, that's bringing me down, or hey, that's really making me feel angry for some reason, or man, that song is really making me feel melancholy or depressed or something like that. But with the heart, we have feelings that emerge, and these feelings emerge from a subconscious level, and they're not emerging because of necessarily because of what we're thinking about. They're emerging because of what we believe. So if I'm controlling my thoughts, if I'm thinking about something positive, I'm thinking about something I love or enjoy, then emotions, you know, give rise and kind of stop those 
negative feelings or those destructive feelings from emerging. So I don't have to start thinking about something bad or something destructive for those feelings to emerge. I just stop thinking about something positive. This is the reason for so many people, when they attempt to deal with their thought life, they just almost lose their mind, almost have a nervous breakdown because they have the sense of, if I'm not in control of my thoughts continuously, I always end up going to some destructive place. And that really is what happens. And you're never going to be able to continuously control all of your thoughts because most people's thoughts change every three or four or five, six seconds. And so, bam, bam, bam. You're never in control of all those things because you're seeing things, you're hearing things, people are talking to you. All of these things are happening. Your thoughts are jumping, 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 jumping. So people try to control their thoughts without dealing with their beliefs. And so all that happens is when I stop controlling what I'm thinking about, when I stop focusing on whatever I'm focusing on and my mind just kind of shifts to neutral, then these feelings begin to emerge. And these feelings start directing my thoughts and start causing me to think certain things. And then as I have those thoughts, I get emotions that reinforce those thoughts. And really, I don't even know how I got there. So then when I relate, communicate, function, react in some unacceptable way, it has all happened so suddenly that I really... I'm able to rationalize it because after all, once feelings start forcing my thoughts in a certain direction, then I kind of think that these thoughts are what I'm choosing. You know, I think, hey man, you know, I'm making intellectual decisions here and that's why I'm reacting to you this way. When in fact, what we're doing is not as extreme, but just as dysfunctional as that person who goes into some kind of incredible rage or violent behavior because of their PTSD. You see, we all have some degree of PTSD. When we experience trauma, fear, stress, or pain, and then suddenly that has happened somewhere in the past, and then suddenly we have those moments that set off a cascade of hormones and neurochemicals that we feel in the body, and we feel exactly like we felt the first time we had that experience. Matter of fact, let me just kind of explain to you a little bit about how the brain works. You see, the first time you have an experience, particularly any kind of heightened experience, a sexual experience, a fearful experience, you know, a traumatic experience, when you have and experience. There are many things that happen at one time, and usually there's some self-talk going on. There's some judgments that are going on, and all of those bits of information later work against you, and I'll, I'll explain to you how. But let's say that uh, you're in a situation where suddenly you are called on by the boss to give a report or something and you're not ready. And man, fear suddenly starts coming in and then your self-talk starts saying, oh man, I'm gonna blow it, I'm gonna get fired, I'm, or whatever you start saying. Well, what happens now is signals get sent to your brain and I liken them into carrier signals. A carrier signal goes to your brain and says, I am about to get fired. And suddenly my brain says, oh no, this is what it would feel like to be fired. So it begins to release hormones and what I call neurochemicals into the body. And when these things are released into your body, I mean, they alter the way your body 
is functioning. That's why you have these gut feelings, you know. That's why you have this sinking physical feeling. This is not just an emotional happening. This is a physical thing. And it's a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. So let's say you make it through that experience and five years later, you got your dream job and everything's going great. And then suddenly one day you're sitting in a meeting and your boss says, listen, could you tell me a little bit about what's going on with this account or with this situation? And the moment you hear that, you now have a trigger, because a trigger is basically an association. In other words, this is just like that time five years ago when I embarrassed myself and ended up losing my job because of it. So you see, now I am having an experience here, maybe in a safe place, maybe with somebody that's for me, maybe with somebody that's trying to help me. I am having an experience that feels exactly like this horrible experience that I had years ago. And it is a physiological experience. I want you to understand that sometimes we have a tendency to, to try to think these are just emotions. Well, you know, we know scientifically that there's what they call the molecules of emotions. There are chemical things that are happening in your body. And it is not always just as easy as not wanting to feel that way. So when we encounter something that reminds us of the event that was painful, embarrassing, horrible, or whatever in the past, then the brain is triggered to release all of those hormones, all of those same neurochemicals. Now, when the chemicals are released, they affect your mood. They affect your clarity of thinking. In fact, they affect them as much or more than heroin or cocaine. That's an incredible thing to think about. Your body releases or your brain releases or triggers the release of neurochemicals that are from 30 to 50 times stronger than heroin or cocaine. You know, and I'm not trying to give you a pass, and I'm not trying to get you to say, oh, I can't do anything about it, because I'm going to show you what you can do about it. But you can beat yourself up, and other people can beat you up, and you can just feel like, oh, these are just emotions, and so I should be able to control them. Well, let me ask you this. If somebody snuck up on behind you and popped you with a needle and gave you a big old dose of heroin, and suddenly that causes this physiological chain of events in your body, do you think you would just be able to control how you're feeling? Do you think you'd be able to control that feeling of euphoria or that feeling of of whatever you're feeling. No, you couldn't control it, and you can't control this. But I want to tell you something. God didn't leave you alone. That's why Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to show you how to heal these things in your life. Listen, don't go away. I'll be right back. Freedom from Emotional Debt is going to be one of those life-changing series. You know, I get testimonies every day about from people who have their life dramatically changed because of the tools they get in these series. I want you to know I'm going to give you everything I can here in this broadcast, but in this series, I'm going to pack this thing full of biblically-based things you can do to affect your emotions, to affect your feelings, to affect your belief, so that you can leave the past behind. That debt can finally be paid. All right, so one of the things that you've discovered is when you do some of these irrational things, when you, for some reason, make these horrible decisions and you walk away saying, why in the world did I do that? Or when you answer somebody in an inappropriate way, you know, now you can let yourself get out from under some of that pressure. In other words, you don't have to just walk away and say, oh, well, this is just emotions. I should be able to control that. Well, you know something? I want to teach you how 
to walk in self-control, but self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Self-control is not something you can just muster up on your own and be able to do it and do it habitually. Because remember, when you deal with problems from the heart, it becomes effortless. When you change the beliefs of your heart, it becomes effortless. So every time we get into a situation that reminds us of some traumatic event in the past, then we re live that past event through our emotions. Even if we're not thinking about it, even if we're not going back and saying, oh yeah, this reminds me of this. No, if it's similar to it, you get a signal that is sent to your brain that says, this is how you are supposed to feel in this kind of situation. So suddenly all of these physiological things start happening. You can go to depression. You can go to anger. You can go to fear. You can go to sexual cravings, all of these kinds of things. But here's the interesting thing. Every time we do this, every time we relive a past event, it actually grows stronger. So again, what is it that sets off this cascade of hormones and neurochemicals? Associations. Now, associations or triggers can work for us or they can work against us. And this is an incredibly important teaching that the Bible brings out that we overlook. I never hear anybody ever talk about these things from a biblical perspective. See, the Bible teaches us how to use associations for our benefit. You know, you go back and read those scriptures where it says, you know, write this stuff on your jewelry. Wear it as a frontlet between your eyes. Write it on your doorpost. Put a stack of rocks over here. And every time you take your children by this place and they ask you what those rocks are for, tell them this story. In other words, the Bible tried to teach us how to use everything from jewelry, ornaments, you know, drawings and pictures on the wall to a stack of rocks. Didn't matter what it was. Use these things to create associations. For example, if... Every time your child saw something in your house, let's say that you had a little statue in your house, and every time your kid walked by, or every time you and your kid walked by, you say, let me tell you the story about that statue, or let me tell you the story about that picture, or let me tell you the story about that drawing. Now, they're going to say, I've heard it a thousand times. You're going to say, I know, but just let me tell you again. And you tell the story maybe about how you got born again and what Jesus did in your life and how much better your life became. I got news for you. Every time your child walk by that item, whatever it would be, they would recall that story. And they would recall that the thing that changed your life more than anything else was when you gave your life to Jesus. Or you could make it about anything. But the point is this. We as parents are told to use these tools to create what today we call associations, which is really nothing more than memories. And these associations trigger thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Now, the Bible also warns against being negatively affected by associations. Some of you have heard me talk about this. In my Bible, you know, I have all kinds of symbols and uh, notes and reminders and color coding and all that kind of stuff. But I have an acronym in my Bible, A-T-O. And that acronym, A-T-O, stands for Avoid the Opportunity. And I began to see that there were so many things in the Bible that, you know, we were told like in the book of Proverbs, especially is one of those places where I really have a bunch of A-T-O's. It's like, don't even walk down the street where this seductive woman is. Don't even walk by there. Avoid the opportunity. You see, there are situations that 
draw us right into temptation. I'll never forget one time back in about 73, I guess it was, I took a group down to New Orleans to go witnessing on the streets at Mardi Gras. And man, you know, you're seeing every kind of people naked, you know, all kinds of seductive things. And, and the bars, they had runways that came all the way on the sidewalk. So the strippers and dancers literally came out of the bars onto the sidewalk to draw people into the bars. So we're down there winning people to Jesus. And man, this guy that had come down from a church to go down there and learn how to witness, he just said, I can't do this. I can't do this. I've got to leave now. Being in that environment triggered everything in him to want to go back to his old way of life. So you see, associations can work for us or against us. We need to stay away from the places where we create associations that cause us to want to do negative things. You know, this happens many times even in people's sexual preferences, people who struggle sometimes with sexual preferences. I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes because the first experience they had was a particular kind of sexual experience, then every time they have a sexual desire, their mind says, I got to go back to this experience. Well, what if that experience was molestation? What if that experience is something that brings them shame today? And they're wondering, why am I being drawn to that? Why am I being drawn back to something like that that's destructive? Well, it's because of an association. Now, listen, I am telling you, the Bible shows you the only way to get past these things, and you don't have to have drugs. I'm not saying that if you're managing your situations with medication, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying you're never getting over it because medication doesn't cure anything. It suppresses, it controls, and sometimes you need that. But I'm telling you, you can work your way into a biblical solution to these kinds of issues, whether they're great big post-traumatic stress issues or just little, little bitty ones. Now, Jesus came to give us the abundant life. Why aren't we living the abundant life? Well, really, it's pretty simple. Our lack of experiencing the abundant life that Jesus promised isn't because God isn't giving. It's because we are incapable of receiving. We are incapable of taking hold of this for ourselves. You know, one of the most interesting things that Jesus ever said to somebody, the King James says it this way. It says, you know, he walks by somebody, I think it was a blind man or a crippled man, I can't remember now, walks by him and he says, what wilt thou that I should do to you? Man, I tell you, you read that and you're like, that don't even make sense. Well, in plain English, what he's saying is, what are you willing to let me do for you? See, when we have thoughts, feelings, or beliefs, there's some things we want but deep in our heart, we're not willing to let those things happen. Or if those things begin to happen, you know, sometimes if you've had bad experiences when things started to go good in your life, then when things start going good, it triggers a bad memory. And suddenly you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And sometimes you give up without even trying to move into the good life that's right in front of you. Well, I got news for you. You can get past it. See, we don't intend to live below the life that Jesus offered, but we do end up living there. So let me define emotional debt one more time. Emotional debt is the emotional destruction that happens to us in our past, and it's like a financial debt. And we spend the rest of our lives making payments on that debt. And those payments can come in the form of a lost marriage, hurting the people around you, losing your job, losing your health, losing your happiness. But you're going to make 
payments on emotional debt because emotional debt is like a revolving credit card that has such a high interest rate that if you make the minimum payment, you can never pay it off. So you will be paying on that debt the rest of your life. So we're all making payments on the emotional pain that either we inflicted upon ourselves or somebody else inflicted on us, or maybe we're making payments on the emotional debt that somebody inflicted on the people that we love, the person that we're married to. And we, like I said, we make these payments in the form of loss, failure, unhappiness, all these kinds of things. So let's just review. When Jesus introduced himself to the ministry, he said, this is why the Spirit of the Lord's on me. This is why I'm anointed, to heal the brokenhearted. The book of Isaiah is where he was quoting from, Isaiah 61. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, what he is referring to there is he is referring to people who are living in emotional debt. Now, even though they had a year of jubilee where all of their finances, all of their debt was paid off, I want you to understand, Jesus came so that all of your emotional debt can be paid and the rest of your life, you never have to make another payment on emotional debt by losing something you want, by losing something you love, by failing at something, by losing your dreams. You never have to make those payments anymore. Now, all debts have already been forgiven. You got to understand that. But that doesn't mean that we have the capability of taking hold of it. And remember, taking hold of something is all about trust. It's all about believing what Jesus has done for us and taking hold of it and bringing it back to ourselves. Now listen, don't worry. We're going to get to the place where you can put all this pain behind you. But I'm trying to get you to understand this right now. I'm trying to get you to understand how you got here. You know, I want you to stop judging yourself. I want you to stop blaming yourself. I want you to stop putting yourself down. I want you to stop letting people criticize you. Yeah, own the fact that you got problems. When the Bible talks about confessing your sin, it's not talking about going to a priest and confessing. It's not talking about beating yourself up. It's not talking about telling yourself how horrible you are. You know, all that means is say the same thing. And I tell you, when we've got sin in our life, and you know what sin is? Sin is just that feeling that you have about yourself that says you're not who God says you are. Anything that makes you think or feel that you're not who God says you are is sin. It's missing the mark of the prize. So yeah, you might have to say, yeah, I got these problems, but you know what? I'm going to get past these problems. Listen, I'll be back with my mentor in a moment, just a moment. Don't go away because I want to start giving you tools to get you past this. Freedom from emotional debt is going to be a game changer for you. It's going to transform your life. It's going to be six incredible CDs packed full of information. And you're going to be able to watch two free online videos that's going to show you how to move forward. You know, just recently somebody contacted me and they said, Jim, I want to help you guys do what you're doing. And of course, we always appreciate that. And people are often contacting us. But one of the questions I get asked all the time is like, you never mention money. How do you finance what you're doing? Well, you know something? There are actually three ways we finance what we're doing. And you can be a part of any of these ways. First of all, I want you to know, 
anytime you buy any of these series and you're getting a lot more information than, than we are able to put into the broadcast, you're investing in yourself, you're developing yourself as a disciple, but that money goes to help us reach the world. Secondly, people from time to time just make donations and we appreciate it so much. But there are people who become what we call world changers. And world changers are people who every month help us take this gospel to the ends of the earth. We are living in the days when the gospel of the kingdom has to go to the ends of the earth. I want to invite you to help us be a world changer with me. You know, I know you've probably heard me say this many times, but I got to say it again because religion has hammered so many unscriptural things into us that if you don't repeat it, if you don't hear it over and over and over again, then you'll slip right back into this. For the believer, transformation only comes through one process. Put off the old man. Find a way to put off, send away, or get off of you, if you will, the old man. Any way of thinking that relates to you any way other than being in Jesus. And secondly, renew your mind based on the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? How does the Word of God say I should view this? And thirdly, put on the new man. That's where it gets into receiving, taking hold of something and bringing it to yourself. So it doesn't matter who prays for you. It doesn't matter what anybody does for you. You might get some momentary, temporary relief, but until you put off the old man, renew your mind and put on the new man, you're going to keep repeating this problem. Secondly, I want you to realize this. We talked about this last week. You have to start from the place that God is not the source of my pain. God is not withholding anything from me. Everything that he promised has already been given to me. Now the question is, can I take hold of it? Now the first step toward taking hold of what God has given us is letting go of or putting off whatever it is that's interrupting that process, putting off the old man, sending away these things that are affecting us negatively. So when you begin to think about yourself, your PTSD may come on slow, it may come on strong, but the moment you realize you are seeing or thinking anything about yourself that is not based on who you are in Jesus, you have to begin, and I recommend do it verbally, no, 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 stop, I don't accept this. Now, you're not fighting with the devil because the devil's not in your brain. Thoughts are in your brain, and you've got to stop those thoughts from running because if they keep running, they will signal your brain to start releasing and all of those neurochemicals that we talked about. So the first step is stop the process. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.